Um, so thank you again, Dr. Layla. You did an amazing job. Um, we're so happy to have you back. Um, you were with us in our first year, our first Ramadan uh, khatiba, um, which was really amazing. So it's really nice to have you return and um, to bring us such a timely message and um, a message that I think has to be delivered from experience. Um, so you definitely have that experience and you definitely are able to role model um, how to handle this topic with grace. So thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, so who would like to start us off? Anyone with a question, reflection, anything at all? And Liz will come around with the mic. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Saroor, and I love coming to the Women's Mosque when I have the opportunity. Um, one of the things that I, was, I kept thinking about when Layla was, was speaking was, is it a cultural thing when we're, when we're being tested, when we're being... Put, put through these ordeals, um, it gets positioned and spun as a punishment. Um, I've heard that from a lot of people and over the, when I was younger and then when I've got older, I've questioned it enough to the point where I'm like, okay, it's, it's not, almost like they're, they're mistaking it for like karma, like the Western notion or Eastern notion of karma. And so it's like, okay, you're going through, like even things like cancer, like how is that a punishment? Like this person, so I'm just, I always try to reconcile that cultural misnomer with what it actually is, and, and that is the test of what we're, a test of our faith, a test of how we're going to be, but um, I can't think of it, things as punishments, it's just... Um, I think that subject is really hard, and when uh, we, Hassan and I were going back and forth to talk about, well, there's the one subject of like, while we're in the middle of it, how do we survive it? And that's understanding there's ease. But then there's the other bigger question of like, well, why does it have to happen in the first place? And, um, and so I think a lot of it I come to from like a purely, um, just be having a sort of a science background, which is sort of what has really reinforced my faith. Like every single thing I have ever learned through my medical training and background and what I see on a daily basis is just a in my face reminder of God. But it's also the biology and nature. Things happen because they happen. So if someone's child has cancer, it's gonna happen to someone's child. Okay, that's a whole other. <laughs> and, I, and so I, I'll get into that and, I, and I'm speaking for myself, right? That's a very sensitive subject. There's certain people I will never talk about it with because they always bring this sort of, you know, al-hasad, uh, right? So there's this seems to be a, you know, a universal acceptance of what al-hasad is or this evil eye that somehow other persons can put on you and then cause bad things to happen. And as a Muslim, that, and you know, having grown up here and not being raised that way, it made no sense to me from the concept of God. Like, how could my child get sick because somebody paid a compliment to my baby, and I didn't say mashallah, and therefore now my child has pink eye. I mean, that's, no, my child has pink eye because they were with another child who had pink eye who touched their eye and touched my child's eye. And so this gives us this sense to me of powerlessness when we give it up to these mystical, superstitious qualities that we cannot understand. And I feel like as Muslims, we should be beyond that. That's not to say evil doesn't exist, right? We know that it does. And what I look at it as the kind of thing like someone could be gossiping about a person, spreading rumors and lies that cause you to lose your job or lose your marriage, right? We have done an evil deed. 
that caused harm to somebody else. But that's different than to me, like illnesses, things like that. At the same time, if we do things that are causing harm to ourselves or our bodies, we're, there will be consequences. But when it's something out of nowhere, like, you know. Uh, I also feel like sometimes that is, comes from other traditions into this, like this idea of punishment. Uh, people are poor because they're not, uh, you know, they don't have enough faith. Um, and so it's also a way to get ourselves off the hook a little bit, right? Like that um, <laughs> if, if somebody's suffering because they were bad, I don't have to care about their suffering. It's not my fault. They did, must have done something, right? Like if you were living in the slums of Brazil and your house got washed away, it's because you were bad, not because you're poor and the structure in your country is such that that's the best place you can live. That to me is where the evil comes in, right? Like how is it that we have these huge disparities in society? So I'm sure other people have other ideas or feelings about it, the whole idea of the hasad and, and sort of this, you know, whether we deserve bad things that happen to us or not. Like these concepts are real, but they can be abused and manipulated. So it's good that you're thinking critically about it now as an adult um, and just balancing that out. Okay, salam, my name is Farah, it's the first time that I'm here, so thank you. Um, awesome khutbah, by the way. I have you know, two comments. The first is, I felt like it was very personal to me. Thank you for sharing about your father passing away. That was very relatable because mine has two. Um, and my mom's name is actually Yusra. So as you were talking about it, I was like, okay. <laughs> very relatable. Um, but I think you know, the second point is, um, this question of ease and how it plays into our lives. And I think one of the things that I've seen people do of all faiths is say, if there's a bad circumstance that occurred, why would God allow this bad thing to happen, right? And I think you addressed it today by saying that, you know, the journey of life is a series of challenges. And I think within that, I also look at it from the experience of there's um, influence of positivity and there's also influence of negativity. So sometimes the challenge that's coming to us isn't actually from God. It could be a negative influence in my opinion. Um, but the ease of that challenge is actually a way for God to say, you can look to me for answers. And so I think that sometimes we tend to, as humans and in our own conditions, blur the line between, um, it, you know, everything, if we act a certain way, will always be good. And I don't think that that's the challenge of life. I think the challenge of life truly is to grow, which propels us to start making distinctions even in the smallest ways of what influences come in that are negative versus positive and how can we decipher that better. I thought there was someone before me. I wasn't quite ready for the immediacy of that <laughs> turn. Um, thank you for your khutbah. It was really good. I really struggle with uh, the science of it and what uh, God wants and all of it. Um, so my son died and um, it was far different from a parent dying, and I'm not comparing the grief. Um, and I know this because my dad died when I was 18. So, and I work in healthcare, and I, um, one of the areas we work in is maternity, and uh, infant mortality rates are the largest in the Western world and the US. And we talk to people where there's, 
you know, they're on, if you're on this, in this zip code, which is across the road from um, this other uh, zip code, you have 8% higher chance of your son or daughter passing, dying in infant, uh, in childbirth. So it's a real struggle to say, you know, would I, if, if I was in England, would my son have been healthy and fine? You know, it was a medical error. So, and I, you know, have, an, uh, have a daughter. She was born in England. Everything was fine. So it's really, you know, what part does God play? Was it natural? And just, you know, I really struggle with that. I hear everything you're saying and having, I mean, like you said, my experience of losing my father is not the same as loss. And that's one of the things I tried to say, was trying to communicate as well, that everybody's hurt and pain is different, right? And so, um, I mean, the issues you bring up, I deal with on a daily basis based on the work that I do and where I have worked, which is in those area zip codes, having seen those patients, having helped them through those moments that are inexplicable. So on a sort of on a daily basis from like a health perspective, it's all we're trying to do is to make things better. What can we do in the state of California, for example, is very different than the rest of the United States in terms of infant and maternal mortality because of this concerted effort. So all this common good coming together to say, this is a huge problem and what are we doing about it? Working at the county system, working at MLK hospital. But then the other sort of philosophical question is like, what, 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 where's, what's God's role in all of that? And I think that's much harder. And I think it's not, it's any one of us could say something, but it's not going to necessarily be the truth for everybody. Do you know what I mean? I, and I, and I, I've, I, like I said in the chutbah too, was talking about how I come to terms with it. Because there's this other issue of like, well, if I pray hard enough, won't God intervene on my behalf? And if the good outcome is what I want, then my prayers were answered. That's a common concept in many faiths, right? But what if they're not? What if it doesn't happen? Um, I've had patients even has, whose baby has a fatal anomaly. The baby will be born and will not survive because part of the brain is missing, for example. And they said, well, miracles happen, and I believe in God. And I don't argue with them about that. I'm like, go ahead. And that's, maybe that's where that comfort comes in, that they said, I tried everything I could, and... You know, and so that's how they live with that reality. Um, I mean, there's so many different stories, and uh, you know, where it, it it really depends on what what the individual is going through. But but at the end of the day, you know, suffering is real. It's not a matter of like because I, if in other words, if I live this perfectly good life, I will never suffer. That's not it's not reality. It's part of our existence. So how do we deal with that? But this question of where does God intervene, can God intervene, does he intervene, or does he just set things in motion and things happen the way they do? Is that what we believe? What are we, how do we interpret what the Quran tells us about, uh, you know, what God can and will do? Obviously, we believe he can. But I also, you know, sometimes we'll just sit and ponder and think, I can't, I can't. That notion of God is unfathomable. So it's, it's a mix, you know, and we're all struggling, I think, with that. But I don't know if others have other ideas about how we explain or or process that. Assalamu alaikum. I think sometimes we look at really hard situations and we try to rectify and saying, why is this happening? Or what was Allah's plan for me? And I think um, we're very limited in, in what we can actually comprehend. We have no idea what his plan is. And even though we try to reconcile why something's happening, we have to admit that hardships are huge tests for us. 
and that's what actually helps us build resilience. I don't know if you guys know any people who seemingly have a very good life, but with ease, that's the hardest test because they become arrogant and entitled, right? Um, and I don't know if you know this, but I've seen the happiest people go through the most horrible things. And I think um, we just can't fathom or understand why Allah has done what he's done or what his plans are, but that's why we call it having faith, right? Even though we don't understand it, we still have to believe that that was in his plan. I was exactly going to say that, you know, we're, we think of um, tests and God's tests as trials and tribulations, but blessings are also tests. Um, and really, we have to always look at everything from the full perspective, not just the perspective of this temporary life. We have to look at it from the day of judgment perspective. And so exactly what you're saying is like, who's to say if this is actually something that's going to put you in the right place on the day when it counts most? Or is this blessing actually gonna lead you, lead your soul to its doom? Because you will go out and, you know, not only forget yourself, forget God, but maybe create evil or who knows, right? Um, and so I think that's a really great point is just to, you know, um, keep that in mind of like, it could be a blessing, it could be a test, um, it could be a punishment, it could be a blessing. Um, and there are, um, uh, I'm forgetting the names of the scholars, but there are Islamic scholars who have said that um, how you know if it is a blessing or a test is how you react. So if you react in a way that is self-destructive and that leads to more harm, then it is because you're turning it into a punishment. But if you react in a way where you strive to do good in that moment, um, or you stop yourself from doing bad, then you are indeed, you know, um, being blessed and you are um, being presented with a gift to, um, you know, earn a higher status and closeness with, with God, which is what, you know, what, on the day when it counts, that's all we'll all want. And this life will seem like, you know, it went by so fast and everything that seems so big to us now will seem so little on that day. So um, I think it's important to have that full perspective of our entire lives, not just this temporary life. Uh, I was just going to say, what was your name? Sorry. Naveen, thank you so much for sharing that. I'm so happy to be here today. I think this is such an important discussion and like I can't imagine the pain you went through. So first of all, I'm sorry and you probably continue to go through. I mean, it's almost, I feel like nothing that any of us can say that'll make that easier. And um, I think this is a very important and beautiful discussion. I'm glad to be here and I'm glad we're having it. Um, and now I've lost what I was gonna say, but <laughs> this like the audio is weird. <laughs> but, um, Basically, I was going to say that um, I just feel that there's grief that we go through, and, and grief on its own is a completely different topic, but there's, you know, there's types of people, and I feel like I look at my own family. My mother, she's very spiritual, and, um, you know, she takes things from a very, she internalizes pain, and she uh, processes it processes it through pay, praying and through making dua and things like that. Whereas my father, he's more of the social justice oriented. Yeah, let's go out, let's go make phone calls, let's go, you know, get people engaged. Let's, you know, this is how we deal with um, pain. And 
uh, more of a communal way, more of an active, engaged way. And really, there's no um, right or wrong. And I, I, I guess that's how I started to think about it. When we, when we go through such a, a test, like a grief or you know, a, such a tribulation in our own personal lives. Um, and I am glad that we're here for each other. I feel that you know these, you're my sisters, and I hope that we'll be here f for each other in those moments. And uh, the best thing we can do is give each other support in our connections and in this kind of community setting. But uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I completely messed up what I was trying to say. No, no, <laughs> So, um, Naveen, thank you for sharing that. I think that that's an incredibly powerful story, and um, I think it takes a lot of guts to come up and even explain a personal experience, so thank you. And I agree, I don't think that there's necessarily anything any one person can say. Um, but I think back to the khutbah and specifically about the word yusra and the concept of ease. And in this scenario, I just wonder, are there moments in your life where you were given signs outside of, you know, consciousness um, that display a sense of ease or like a washing over? Because I think sorrow and grief are incredibly significant. And in my personal experience with losing my father, um, you know, I haven't had children, so I, I can't imagine that. But um, I truly began to understand what the word sorrow really meant. Um, and I definitely felt like I was faced with a decision uh, in many moments on whether I wanted to suffer or grieve. And I think that there's a different, a, a distinction between those two things as well. Um, and there were more moments in my life, there were um, signs that I think from both the universe and God and my dad that showed me that there was ease, there was actually Yusra in the world that was coming to give me signs. So I would just say, despite the experiences in those moments, I would look back to that to help us through our, our journeys. Um, you know, Sura, you, what you were saying, asking before is, um, is it a punishment? We can just look to the prophet, peace be upon him. You know, he was first lost his father before he was even born, then his mother, then his grandfather, and he was orphaned so many times during his youth. And then he had, I believe, seven children. Six of them died before he died. And he went through all of that grief and loss. And was that a punishment? Like, he's, he's the best human who ever lived. So we can't take it personally like that. We can't, um, you know, um, punish ourselves like that and internalize um, you know, the opinions of other people or, uh, to me, it sounds very abusive when people put that on, on people who are suffering um, and to recognize abuse for what it is and emotional harm for what it is um, and separate that from God who is the most merciful, most compassionate. This is, I, I just want to say one thing too. This is sort of the 20 year anniversary or maybe 30 of HIV AIDS. And I was in medical school when it was discovered. So every patient that I took care of who had HIV AIDS died. 
They came in with diseases that nobody had seen or heard of or hadn't, I mean, really heard of, or they were obscure diseases in textbooks. And uh, the patients themselves were very frightened. And the, the language in this new country at that time was, well, this is a punishment, right? So leaving aside how, how people could handle a discussion about people in the gay community at the time, they couldn't even process the idea that children would get HIV AIDS from a blood transfusion and then die. Everybody who had it must have done something that made them deserve it, and this is God's punishment. That was very strong in American culture at that time. We, I'm glad to see that we have moved so far away from that. However, it was that culture that led to that epidemic when it happened in the first place because of the shame and the fear of life that people lived under. So it's a very destructive way of thinking, and sometimes with, when Muslims do that, I'm like, are we doing that because that's what we believe or because that's what we've got taught from somebody else in, you know, in our cultures at some point? Because that's so much a part of a different kind of tradition than what I think Islam is about or the prophet. Like you said, these things will happen, and God is always merciful. Right? And so there's always the door. So one of the things I always think of, we all know that saying, right? When a door closes, a window opens. There's something. And I feel like these verses from the Quran were like, he, he's saying, I, as if God is saying, astaghfirullah, you know, but like, I'm so sorry. But I just want you to know that with the hardship, there is ease. And I know you don't believe it. And I know it doesn't feel like it. But I, I have to say it again. It's coming. It's going to be there. That's such a personal, private, like intimate thing to say. It's different than when someone else is trying to come. I mean, it's God saying like, I, I, you know, like, I know you can get through this. And I think of those verses of, um, in the story of Moses, remember when um, she's supposed, she puts her son into the reeds and she's about to like reveal the secret and the Pharaoh, you know, that's the one, you know, child, he has such a destiny for him. And the sister follows and finds him and says, oh, I know someone who just had a baby and can nurse this baby. And she brings him right back to his mother. And God says to her, he says, I did this so you would know that my, you know, I keep my promises and to, to sort of cool your eye or to calm your heart because I know how hard it was to let that baby go. And so then he, but it's sort of, to me, I, that, and it's those kinds of sort of personal ways of looking at it that I feel like, it's telling us something like, yeah, I know, it's hard, but this is how I... But the, um, she still sent her daughter, right? Because that wasn't, Allah didn't tell her, oh, send your daughter. He's like, don't worry, I got you. But she's like, well, I'm still going to send my daughter. <laughs> yeah, so, so, but it's almost like what happened afterwards when he says, okay, I, I couldn't tell you what the plan was. Because then you would have told everybody and it would have ruined it all. I had to, I couldn't, so she was smart and she was chosen, right, as a person who actually receives why, you know, his, she's having this conversation with God. There's something very special about that between her and God. And, but he's like, I can't explain it to you right now, but just trust me. And that's what it comes to. Like, do we, you know, how do we know? Like, nobody can, can identify, you know, can... Imagine it, like, and I think that's how we feel, and, and, but that's just some, that's how I sort of think. Sorry, last thing. <laughs> um, just like you said, the prophet, peace be upon him, he was tested or, like, in so many ways, and obviously he wasn't a bad person. God 
obviously did not think that he was punishing him. But I think that for those of us who have had immense hardship, I actually personally think that it's because God loves us a little bit more. He's trying to, no, I'm, I'm actually truly, personally, I personally believe it because I've gone through so much. And I think I've always carried um, a good view on this because I thought, you know, Allah finds that I am so special that he's going to test me in so many ways so that I can come out of this more resilient and have more character and more conduct and be more patient. And um, that's kind of the only way I can rectify being tested as many times as I have. That's a perfect connection to what I was thinking. So I remember looking at people who had gone through hardship that I knew about and being so amazed at what amazing people they were, right? There was something about them that was just so special and I knew about some of the hardships and I thought, I don't know if I could handle that. That's a lot. And then I thought, did God just not have as good a plan for me? Because I'm not capable of handling all that. I'm not going to get to that place that they've gotten to. And I remember, Layla, won't rem I don't know if she remembers, I remember asking Layla at some point, we've known each other for a very long time, and I said, is it that we're not worthy of that or is it that it doesn't happen until we're ready? And she said, without skipping a beat, she said, it happens when you're ready. And then this whole story and everyone sharing about their parents, I just immediately remembered them when my father passed away, we were going through all of his stuff and um, his books. And my sister found a card that I had given him. And she's like, well, do you want this? That was a book. It was a book with a card. Do you want this back? And in the book, I had given an, I'd written an inscription, you know, to Abba, blah, blah, blah. And I'm holding this book and I'm like, she's thinking it's supposed to go back to me because I gave it to him. And I'm like, it's not supposed to be with me. It's supposed to be with him. I gave it to him. But it can't go with him it's still here on this earth and he's not. And I wrestled with that for the longest time. Like, I don't understand why this thing that I gave him can't go with him. And it, that started an entirely powerful internal conversation about what is it that we take with us? Because he, he took something other than the book, something with that book went with him. Whatever feeling, prayer, good wishes, whatever I was able to give him, I was confident that went with him. And then I started asking myself, what am I taking with me? And I wasn't really happy with the answers I came up with. And that started an internal journey that now when I look back, if that hadn't happened before the next hardships that came in my life after that moment, I don't know if I would have been prepared. I went through a really difficult divorce. I found out my daughter had serious developmental disabilities and she's special needs for the rest of her life and other things. I don't think, I don't know, but I'm not sure I would have been able to handle those as, as well as I did if that internal work hadn't been done first. And so I liked your question about what happens externally is that, it, that I think there's hardship at the moment and also continuing later if you're paying attention. Hello, my name is Ilham. It's my first time here. Um, I'd love to leave you with a beautiful quote that my dad left me when I, I left for the United States when I was 15. And uh, he told me this because it was in connection to both of the beautiful ladies who mentioned their stories, but also their opinions. Um, this comes from the Imam Ali, um, and he says in Arabic, and then I'll say the English translation, كُن فِي الْحَيَاةِ كَعَبْرَ سَبِيلِ وَتْرَكْ كُلَّ أَثَرٍ جَمِيلٍ فَمَا نَحْنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا ضِيُوفٍ وَمَا عَلَى ضَيْفَ إِلَّا الرَّحِيلِ It uh, basically means um, walk through life like a purposeful wanderer. Uh, leave a beautiful legacy behind because we're all but 
visitors in this world and every visitor must eventually leave. And so that's how I thought of uh, when going through tribulations of misery and challenges is that uh, through every trial you leave some kind of legacy and through every experience you go through. And it's absolutely beautiful of what we have gone through, all of us as a ummah, as a community, but as individuals. I just actually had a, uh, like a thought when, Suru, you were talking about like um, Moses' mother and um, how she sent the sister as well and how God um, brought her back, brought, brought him back to her. And, the, and like the way that we sometimes think, I think, is that we have this dichotomy of like God and then it's totally separate from humanity. Like God is like totally separate. But like, I don't know, I think that there is um, a thought in like Sufism that like God works through people and like the, and, and people's actions can be divine. Um, so it's not this like sort of harsh dichotomy between like God and people. And I think that sometimes and thinking about that, like for me personally, like kind of lifts the little, like the, the pressure of like, oh, I have, I have to do everything I can to like, for instance, for my um, friend Lina who has leukemia, who I'm here for, like if I was the person who's gonna find her a cure, like I would go crazy, right? I have to like let that go and be like, okay, well, I don't have control of that, but like God works in through people and God is the one who's gonna do that. I don't know, I had that thought when you were talking. Just kind of a comment. Um, so, um, it's like sometimes, uh, at least when we read in the Quran that uh, the suffering can take very long and it's really a great test of patience for, I was just thinking about um, Jacob and Joseph for, Jacob has been grieving so, for so many years after he, um, after he, he lost Joseph. Um, but, but then he, he still, over all those years, he still had hope that um, Joseph was still alive. And also for Joseph himself, he was thrown to, into jail for, for a crime. He, he was accused, um, but, but he, he never deserved to, to be in a jail. And, but for all those years, he still um, had patience. And yes, still uh, Joseph did not really complain about why would God allow this injustice to happen to me and so on. Um, At the same time, he was hurting really badly. Yeah. I mean, to the point that he didn't, and he didn't, he cried and he was grieving for his son. It was the issue, he went blind over it. It's the, and the other thing we talked about too is like, do we blame God for when bad things happen? And what you're saying is reminding us is that those people of faith did not blame God, but they, they didn't also um, have. Uh, you know, they didn't censor themselves in, in their reaction. Even Joseph and his anger, like, how dare they say those things about me? They reacted to it. They weren't afraid of their feelings. Whereas some people will sometimes say, well, you know, just accept that this is God's will. And, and, don't, and I'm, you know, and that's one of the things that people can talk about. Um, and so we look to those examples to say, yeah, they, they did have faith and belief, but they also had outrage and anger and abdicated for themselves too to say, I'm not giving up on this. Because it's true that Jacob could have just accepted the fact that Joseph was gone. 
and, and he, but he persisted in his belief and in his faith. Um, one of the examples I was thinking of too that I didn't mention in the chuppah about this idea of people who were in prison is one of, you know, an important personal role model for me was Malcolm X, you know, and that he suffered a lot in his life as you read an autobiography and spent time in jail and what, what happened to that him after, during that time and how he educated himself and become one, became one of the most eloquent uh, leaders of the Islam in the modern area has known. I don't think there's really anybody to compare. And so he also went through that hardship and he, he made, took what he had and what he could to make, make that ease for himself. You know, I don't mean to assume that it was easy, but I'm just saying it, I can see, I see that as the, as the product of his, what he had to go through. So that, that was another example to me. I feel like we sometimes are told, don't be angry. It's a test. Accept it. Yeah. No, be angry, you know, and I love that you said that. Yeah, I am an angry Arab woman, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's okay, and we should, and that's the way we, you know, that's the way we fight, like, that's the way we fight injustices and do we blame the entire you know systemic racism and you know this criminal justice system that's so corrupt do we pl blame all that on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obviously not like that's that's our fault as humans and uh, but we fight that injustice with our belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I, I and I love that example of Malcolm X and subhanAllah how like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us those examples like mothers who suffer with you know, these problems that you explain, and then we have the example of, you know, the mother of Moses, and we have the example of Yusuf salam. It's like so, sometimes I think, wow, subhanAllah, Allah is giving us the exact problems we face in our society, like with the criminal justice system and incarceration rates and all these things that we face as Muslims, and uh, these things Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us, like remedies, stories, is giving us that, so. Beauty of the Quran, right? I mean, it's timeless. These are things we can, and and the the general nature of the language, right? It makes it so we can understand it, we can experience it, and it's relevant to our life right this minute. So that, to me, is what makes makes it what it is as a text. I kind of want to follow up about what she said. Um, this is actually called the spiritual bypassing when, you know, it's being told to us that asbur, you know, like exercise sabr because you're, you're having a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Without, and, and, and not understanding that we have emotions that we have to go through and understand them and react to it while we, like the, the Prophet Sallallahu uh, one of the worst days that he had to go through is when he was kicked out by Bani Thaqif in Taif. Right, and and that was the hardship. But how did he react to it? He did have some, you know, emotional reaction to it. That he was sad, and he was hurt, and everything. But instead, he made du'a for them that the whole tribe would actually turn into Islam. And Subhanallah, generations of Bani Thaqif now are are Muslims. So if we do have that trust in Allah Azza wa and, and and understand how our emotions are going through, and and to deal with that then I think we are able to maneuver the, the hardships that we go through because there is a goal into that life. It's not this life, it's afterlife. We also need outlets, right? If you suppress something, it's going to come out in another place in another way that may not be as healthy. And it's because it makes other people uncomfortable to see expressions of emotion. And there's the Hadith too where I forget which daughter he was burying one of his daughters who had died and he was crying at the gravesite and someone commented to him about like, you're the prophet, you should, you know, restrain you. And he said, you know, I can't put in your heart the mercy that God has not put there already. 
if you don't have that to understand, you know, my grief and what I'm going through, then, you know, this is between you and God. But I always, that was a very touching hadith to me because he was a human being who lost his child, who was crying for her. And that people even then were telling him, don't cry, because it makes other people uncomfortable. And so as we are comfortable and, or we, are, we don't censor people because we're uncomfortable with their sadness or anger, you know, then it helps get it out and then it dissipates and then they can move on to the next level. So. You know, um, when you, in your khutbah, when you included the last verses of that surah, it's saying when your, um, when your burden has been lifted, turn to God with love. It, it, that, I think, is an acknowledgement that while you're going through it, it's difficult to turn to God with love. But after, then do that. So it's like, I think that's an acknowledgement of that process and um, and really God saying like this is how it works like you shouldn't feel bad about that this is part of that cycle of like you know compression and then ease like this up and down cycle that we have in life that's very natural